Um, and it's time for us to talk health and wellness. And we're putting the focus, the spotlight on young children. There's so many body parts that we, we don't truly realize we use as often as we do because they're just there. You know, when you think of your nose, um, they're only really aware of it when you're going through the spring season and there's hay fever, your ears, when you really think of it when maybe you're uh, flying and uh, going into an area that is um, uh, uh, when you land and they, they, they just fill up or they need to pop. And they become painful, but it is all part of the learning experience. We don't often utilize our senses as part of that learning. Um, another important part that we take for granted is, uh, and probably see as mundane, is our hands and our abilities to touch and feel with our hands. So this afternoon, we're chatting to um, a creative parenting expert. She's a speaker and author. Um, it's She's a woman that needs no introduction on this platform, Nick. Bush about sensopathic playing, also known as touch play, and the benefits that this has on a child's development. We'll take your calls right through on 011-883-0702 and 31702 for your SMSs. Good afternoon, Nikki. Hi, Azania. Great to be chatting to you again and about something that is just so interesting for our children's development. It is. It's fascinating, Azania, but because we have so many digital devices and because parents are busy and they don't want mess in their homes, they tend to ignore the sensopathic play or playing through the sense of touch because we're talking about playing with things like sand, water, mud, paint, Play-Doh, cooking, uh, so, so things that can potentially make a little bit of a mess. Mm, mm, we try and avoid them. It's true. Like children don't even come back home dirty anymore <laughs> because we've drummed right, it into yeah. them. Can, can we leave it for the preschool? Can we leave it for the playgroup? Can we leave it for the primary school? And they can do the cleanup afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So how does using our senses and how does using our hands affect our brains and its development? Hugely, Azania, because with what we're talking about here is hands-on play, multi-sensory play. And if you think about the skin, it's the biggest sensory organ in the body. So it's sending a lot of signals to the brain. And what young children need is lots of rich multisensory experiences to send very rich information to the brain because the brain is actually mapping the world through the sense of touch. Mm. And as children engage with the world, whether they're climbing a tree or whether they're building a puzzle or whether they're squishing Play-Doh between their fingers, they are sending a lot of information to the brain about things like texture, temperature, weight, shape, and size. Mm -hmm. Now, compare that to a child who's interacting maybe with a, a cell phone or a tablet with some amazing educational games on cell phones and tablets, right. but it's not a three-dimensional play experience. Mm -hmm. So they're only getting certain feedback and they're not getting this three-dimensional feedback. They're not getting all that touchy-feely experience mm. because it's literally a flat screen and it's cool all the time. And, uh, you know, they can't, you know, you think of a baby. The first thing they do is they stick something in their mouth, yeah. in their mouth, because they are actually exploring it um, through that sense. Mm. And we need for our children to be able to touch and feel things, pull and push. And if you think about a a toy like Zoob or Lego, mm. where they can push pieces together and pull them apart. Think of how they're experimenting with pressure 
Mm-hmm. How hard must I push? How hard must I pull? So they are estimating speed, space, distance, judgment. So and the multidimensionalness, the nature of it that you refer to. Yes, it's so important. And I think we're forgetting in a digital age that children learn in three different phases. There's the concrete phase, which is very tactile, the tactile experience of something real, mm. whether it be an apple or a glass or a, 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 a brick, you know, a playing block, um, or maybe something prickly or something smooth. So that, that would be the concrete, the real experience. So take the apple as the example. Mm-hmm. It's smooth, it's shiny, but only on the outside. When we bite it, it's spongy and crisp on the inside. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's wet and juicy, and then it's got a taste. It could be sour, it could be sweet. So I'm giving my child a multi-sensory experience. They are working out that there is meaning to an apple. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they've only ever seen a picture of it, a semi-concrete experience, a picture of an apple in a book right. or on a screen, how do they understand that apple if they've never really experienced it with their body? Right. So that's the it's first just one. A thing. Mm. Yeah. So so we've had concrete. We've yeah. had semi-concrete was the the picture of the apple, and then the abstract would be the letter A or the word apple. Mm. And if if they've only ever seen the word apple, how do they know what an apple is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So very important that children move through all these phases of learning, and the brain is so brilliant it actually works through all three phases at the same time. Yes, and I think when, when the descriptions that you've gave given that. These also help with language for us to be able to describe the bark of a tree, um, maybe for an essay later on, that we need to have that visual image. The touch informs what happens in the mind, the formation of ideas and so on. And, And then we get to express that and how we bring it out to the world, whether written or spoken. Absolutely. So the richness of our language, of our descriptive language, will be limited by or extended by our physical experience of the world. Mm-hmm. And when you think about people who write books, you know, they're using very colorful descriptive language. And a lot of it is because they themselves have experienced something mm-hmm. and they're translating that into language. Mm-hmm. So we're doing them a disservice. So what happens if all we know are these screens, um, especially when it comes to our abilities to navigate the world and even other aspects of a child's development later on? Well, our children's curiosity is being stifled because we're keeping them in, indoors. We're keeping them clean. I think how quickly we clean up a child when their hands get sticky. And you think how rarely parents are giving little ones, say, um, spaghetti on their high chair just to play with, not necessarily to even eat. Mm. So if you're having spaghetti bolognese for supper, your little one already ate earlier in the evening, but they're still awake. They could be playing with the spaghetti mm-hmm. and having this multisensory experience. And the other thing is when they're playing with things like Play-Doh or food or even climbing trees mm. it's a, and, and think of here's another one plush teddies and dolls so mm. those those velvety lovely smooth furry creatures that we give our children those are very soothing and so is play-doh very soothing emotionally soothing for a child and we live in a very hectic world mm. where things are very fast and it's lovely to give them these sensory experiences that drop their energy down a bit 
And what we're also finding is that children's fine motor coordination is not as good as it used to be. So that Mm. eye-hand control, fine motor coordination, because they're not getting enough experiences of using their hands. Take the Play-Doh and the building blocks, for example, when you're pushing and squishing and Mm -hmm. clicking together, Mm -hmm. you're strengthening the hands, and that makes it easier to hold a pen or a pencil. And we're seeing a lot more sensory defensive children and sensory seeking children. So children who don't like certain um, things to touch, mm-hmm. like those, those prickly labels, mm-hmm. and some children don't like certain textures in their mouths. And then some children will be sensory seeking where they, they don't even know how hard to push another child before it's hurtful. Yes, yes. Because they're wanting feedback of pressure. Uh-huh. And so they like to push objects or push children. or um, and, and we're seeing a lot more children going into therapy for sensory integration dysfunction, which is either the sensory defensiveness or, or sensory seeking. Mm, and a telltale often is their reports. When their reports come back, especially under that phys ed section when they go on to primary school, uh, when it comes to throwing, having that depth of perception around how hard or how far you need to throw those activities that are measured uh, um, in certain schools uh, around the, the physical development of a child, where they start to, to struggle. And I could never understand why a child would get a low score but with the way that you've put it um it's evident that something did not happen in those early years of development yes so um if you go back to the digital example many parents are giving their children um say a tablet because it's got it's full of amazing educational content and entertaining content Mm -hmm. instead of so it's replacing real toys because a parent will say, oh, we don't need to buy a puzzle because you can do a puzzle on an iPad. Mm. You can do a shape matching game on, on a device. So, no, we won't have those toys because it's actually more cost effective to buy this tablet that's already preloaded with these amazing games. Mm. But then the child goes for a school readiness test when they're five or six. And the mother is so confident that their child can build a 100-piece puzzle. And then the teacher gives them a 28 or 48-piece puzzle, a real one. And they actually don't know what to do because they don't have a spatial planning experience because they haven't worked with real puzzle pieces to manipulate them into the right place. So it doesn't translate that just because you have the skills on a tablet that you would be able to do it, uh, uh, action it in real life. Correct. So you can drag and drop Mm. on a screen and you can do the problem solving, but you're not getting the physical three-dimensional spatial planning experience. In other words, you haven't mapped how to actually build a puzzle. Hmm. And and that's the concrete level of building a puzzle or doing a shape matching game, for example. And then to go, go back to nature, sticks and stones and mud and water. You know, we've got this heat wave at the moment, and you've probably got some dead grass in your garden. And if you um, if that grass is not going to grow back again, and we did this with our kids, we had this this mud spot where we let them use water and mud to their heart's content. Mm-hmm. And children can be so creative in this space because think about this. There are no major rules that they have to adhere to other than don't come into the house full of mud. But in their little mud spot, they can dig and they can make mud pies. And I remember my kids making a mashy golf course, (laughs) making little dongas to drive their bikes into with water so they can make a big splash. And, you know, making little creatures and characters. In fact, all the kids in the street used to want to come and play at our house because we had a mud spot. (laughs) And a mud spot's even better than a sand pit 
But all of this is sympathetic play. It's multi-sensory play that gives you all this feedback through the skin, through the sense of touch. Mm-hmm. And it also slows our children down because they're in such a rush that we tend to give them very prepackaged things to play with or stuff that's on a screen because it's so much easier for us and less time consuming. Mm-hmm. So I do encourage people to please give your children plush toys and dolls and Play-Doh. There's some amazing Play-Doh kits available today. And keep all this stuff in your kitchen. So mm-hmm. your paint, your Play-Doh, there's lovely kinetic sand, which is beautiful. It's, it's sand that acts as Play-Doh, so it's not sticky. Mm. And if you get it on your carpet, you can just vacuum it up. It's not a problem. Um, look for things like bunshams, which is a construction toy that it's a plastic, almost prickly construction toy where all the little pieces stick together. Mm-hmm. Um, Zoob, Lego, things like that. All things that are available in stores like Toy Kingdom or your toy, your, your toy stores. I've got an amazing array of stuff. Go and investigate, go and explore what's out there. And children need a wide variety of things to play with. Yes. But in the absence of maybe a budget to buy toys, your example about building or having a little mud patch uh, is cost-effective. It doesn't cost you anything, but they're still getting the same experience. And how about making Play-Doh at home? Because um, and and people can go on to NikkiBush.com to to free stuff, and there's a lovely recipe there for homemade Play-Doh. And it's very easy with a little bit of food coloring. And don't just do it yourself. Get the kids involved in actually making it, which leads me to say, invite your children in to do the cooking with you. Mm-hmm. Because cooking, especially baking, like making biscuits where they have to roll out the dough and use cookie cutters, that's, that's real sensopathic play as well. Right. And sensopathic play, you know, on an emotional level is kind of a bridge between mother's arms and independence. Let's take a break, Nikki, and we'll come back with the comments and questions that we'll address. Um, what are your concerns about your child's development when it comes to this touch play, sensopathic play that Nikki has just explained to us? We'll take your calls on 011-883-0702. You find some children uh, may be averse to certain textures, to certain sounds, and so on. What can we do to develop those further if indeed they didn't get to develop it when they were required to? Um, and how we can better improve their sensopathic play? Your questions and comments on 011-883-0702-31702 for your SMSs. Well, we're talking to Nikki Bush, who's a creative parenting expert. She's a speaker and author about sensopathic play, the importance of, importance of touch play for children. Tracy Sibia on Twitter says it's so important for children to play around with different toys that they can hold and that are real instead of digital games. This is the reason why I don't download digital games for my child. They pose a danger to his development. And then just Nati says, I'm loving this topic as a first time parent, um, who works in tech. I'm learning a lot of what not to do. Really grateful for it, Nikki. Adrian, you're calling from Krugerstorp. Good afternoon. Hi there, Zania. Yes, hi, Adrian. How are you? Very good, and you? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, so just my question, uh, my, my son's got uh, sensory processing disorder, mm. and he goes to a, sort of a remedial nursery school. He's four years old. Um, just uh, from from sort of Nikki's experience, I don't know if it's the same sort of sort of topic that you guys are talking about, but in terms of when should, at some point, uh, we look at uh, moving him across to sort of a, a normal mainstream uh, uh, nursery school? It's something that we're looking to do next year. Mm. But obviously, at the moment, he's going to 
a load of OT and also goes to the, the, the remedial nursery school at, at quite a large cost. Um, so I'm just trying to understand sort of how, how, we, can, how we can help him sort mm. of uh, grow, uh, grow into, well, uh, move into sort of a mainstream school that's not going to affect him um, from a processing perspective. How old is he, Adrian? Four. He's four. Nikki, any thoughts? Yeah. Sorry, Zania, I didn't, I didn't get which what disorder the child has. Sensory processing disorder, is that correct, Adrian? Sensory processing. Yeah, mm-hmm. SPD, I think it's called. Okay, all right. So, so Adrian, you know what you can do, and what's really important is many parents have their children in therapy, but they don't do any reinforcement at home. And it actually is, you know, there's so many different things that one can actually do at home, and. You know, it can be as simple as bathing with your child and playing in the bath with your child. So many parents actually don't bath with their children today. It's amazing. Mm. And yet there is so much you can do, you know, bubbles and um, drawing on, on your child's back, you know, with soap and their shapes and letters and numbers. It's an amazing sensory experience for a child and, of course, very, very calming. Mm-hmm. Um but, but Adrian, you need to ask your therapist, you know, what you can be doing at home that's specific to, reinforce. to this, this order mm-hmm. to, to reinforce and, and it can be done so playfully. And what, what therapists are actually doing is they are helping your child not create shortcuts in their brain because that's actually what children do. Mm-hmm. Um, when they need therapy, they need to learn how to do the proper uh, do, do the processing the proper way. And therapists are very, very clever people. I've learned a lot from occupational therapists mm. because they have to, in a normal situation, a child will do a movement 200 to 300 times to create a memory cell in the brain. Mm-hmm. But when they're in therapy, they have to do 2,000 to 3,000 of the same movement to correct and rewire and repattern the brain. And that's why our therapists are so unbelievably creative because they can't do the same action over and over again using the same activity. They have to come up with 10 different ways to do it. Right, and And, reinforcing it at home will support that. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, So, Adrian, I'll direct you to Nikki's website, nikkibush.com, and they found some fantastic ideas, as Nikki suggested, on things like making your own Play-Doh and so on. Um, Nikki, thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure. Just remember there's lots of simple things Mm. that can be done. You know, even just a bowl of lentils on your kitchen counter, like put two packets of lentils in a bowl, and you can hide little objects in the lentils. And even as an adult, put your own hands in those lentils Mm. and feel the calming effect of that stimulation through the skin, through the sense sense of touch. We all actually need to do it. Yes. Thank you very much, Nikki. It's a pleasure. Oh, by the way, I've got an event mm-hmm. that I'm doing in Joburg in Santon on the 27th of September about this very topic. Ah, fantastic. Play. Go on to uh, Nikki Bush uh, Facebook, a uh, Nikki Bush speaker on Facebook, and I'm doing it in the Toy Kingdom store in Santon City, 27th of September at 6 p.m. Fantastic. Thank you, Nikki. Pleasure. So there it is in Santon on the 27th of September. More on the sensopathic touch play that we've just unpacked with Nikki Bush.